with Siyata Dishmaya, let's continue in our lessons of um, understanding our tefillah. When we stand in front of the King of Kings and when we're davening, what are we saying? So now we're in the Amidah and we're in the part of temple service where it says, Favor my master, our God, your people Israel in their prayer and restore the service of the Holy of Holies in your temple and the fire offerings of Israel in their prayer accept lovingly and with favor. And may you always find favor with the service of your people Israel and may our eyes witness your return to Zion in compassion. You are the source of all blessing, my master, who returns to divine presence to Zion. So here where we say favor my master, our God, your people Israel in their prayer in this context, uh, the word means favor. So upon the completion of the sacrificial process, an offering was considered acceptable and bought atonement. Today, when there's no offerings, God accepts our prayers in their place. And in the opening words of this prayer, we see a parallel between prayer and temple sacrifices. So first we ask Hashem to favor his people Israel and their prayer. And then we follow it with restore the service to your temple. So the blessing continues and the fire offerings of Israel and their prayer accept lovingly and with favor. So what's the connection between prayer and temple offerings? The Torah attests to the fact that the personal prayers of our patriarchs and matriarchs as well as sacrifices come long before the temple. They both are really offerings of different types, but in some ways they are very much the same. Yitzhak and Rivka were desperately <coughs> concerned that Rivka could not conceive. Yitzhak pleaded with Hashem on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and God responded to his plea, and his wife Rivka conceived. And we note that according to the commentaries, although Rivka prayed together with her husband, it was his sincere prayer that appealed to Hashem to bring about Rivka's pregnancy and the birth of their twins. So Yaakov was facing a confrontation with his brother Esau, and they had not seen each other for many years, and Yaakov suspected that Esau had not forgiven him for stealing their father's blessings. So when Yaakov learned that Esau was coming with a militia of 400 men, he prepared for the possible contingencies with preparation for war, appeasement, and prayer. To this day, his prayer is one of the most poignant in our holy text. Rescue me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. Otherwise, I fear he may come strike me down, mothers and children alike. So prayer, in its deepest sense, is a personal expression to the Holy One of our needs and hopes. Prayer is our highest level of communication with Hashem. It's a service of both the soul and the heart. In the Shema prayer, we are taught to love Hashem with all our heart and all our soul. The Shemona Esrei itself is termed the service of the heart. The heart is the seat of emotion, and the Torah directs us to harness all of our feelings and emotions to Hashem's service. So just as prayer can evoke a deeply emotional response in our relationship with Hashem, so too does sacrifice. What is the impact of one who offers a sacrifice? What's the impact? So in this generation, sacrifices as offerings to God are hard for us to comprehend. But imagine if you were asked to donate the most precious possession to Hashem, an animal worth a significant amount of money. And what's more, you realize that your animal is being slaughtered and you feel as if you yourself and your wealth are being offered on the altar. So the same powerful emotions that you might feel at the moment of greatest devotion and prayer, you may experience when you offer your sacrifice. 
and sacrifices were intended for us to fully offer ourselves. They were never intended to appease God. The process of sacrifice teaches the donor that everything he has belongs to, to Hashem. A sacrificial, a sacrificial offering represents the physical world and the ability of mankind to elevate it to a higher spiritual level. By offering animals, birds, grains on the altar, we are declaring that although through these physical possessions we are prepared to give over to God everything that we have might have claimed as our own. In the act of sacrifice, we realize that this amazing, beautiful world does not belong to us. In the words of David Amelok, the, the earth is God's and all that is in it. So in Avos, the opening blessing of the Shemona Esrei, Hashem is described as the one who creates everything. The, little, the literal translation of this is the one who acquires everything and not the one who owns everything. And here the sense of this term is based on the idea that since God created everything, he owns it. This thought is best summed up in the verse, but all is from you and it is your gift that we have given to you. So ever since the destruction of the temple, we no longer bring sacrifices, but we don't forget the magnificence of the temple service. We are truly limited in what we can do to serve God in the absence of the temple. In order to keep the memory of the temple alive, the prophet Hosea prescribes this approach. Take words with you and return to God. Say to him, forgive all guilt and accept what is good. Substitute for bull offerings, the offerings of our lips. Bull Prayer and sacrifice are much more than physical acts. They are a service of the heart, requiring both intention and feeling. So why do we ask Hashem to favor, for, to first favor the Jewish people and then their prayers? Our prayers are to be acceptable to God. We must be accepted. Like a sacrifice, which must be unblemished, we must be morally and spiritually pure when we approach God to make our verbal offering. We will do well to consider the bold words of Yeshaya. What need to what need do I have of all your sacrifices, says God? I am satiated with burnt offerings of rams that you come to appear before me. Who asked that of you who to trample my court? So the prophet is reinforcing the idea that we must first be acceptable to God before he will accept our prayers. God does not tolerate hypocrisy, dishonesty, and immorality. We should never think that we can buy off God with gifts and offerings. He has everything without our paltry submissions. And when we say, restore the service to the Holy of Holies in your temple, in this blessing we ask Hashem to restore the service in our temple to the Holy of Holies. Why the Holy of Holies? Why not to the temple in general? On Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, the holiest man, the high priest, enters the holiest place. The Holy of Holies are experienced during Musaf on Yom Kippur when we partially reenact the temple service by prostrating ourselves gives us a sense of what this most awesome moment must have been like in temple times. We long for the spiritual intimacy where God, man, moment, and place all come together. And when we say the fire offerings of Israel and their prayers accept lovingly with favor, once again, we see offering just exposed as prayer. After the destruction of the temple, we know that our rabbis instituted prayers that correspond to the sacrifices. And it's important to note that prayer coexisted with sacrifices at the time of the temple. For example, the Passover sacrifice involved both the family and friends of the person who bought the lamb, accompanied by the words of Hallel, recited by the priest. 
So not only did prayer connect with sacrifices, but music and song enhanced the temple service. The Levites had both a choir and orchestra that performed during the service. We also note that in Psalms, we find directions to the conductor of the Levites. In fact, Rabbi Yitzhak Hunter suggested that the composition of, of certain music reflected the nature of the sacrifice. Shelamim, the peace offerings, were joyous occasions and the music reflected happiness. The sin offerings evoke sadness and remorse, and the music was accordingly somber. So we see from the, these connections of offerings to our prayers and song that prayer is the music of the soul. And to achieve a higher level of spirituality, both prayer and song were included in the temple service. And when we say, may our eyes witness your return to Zion in compassion, these visions of the future return to Zion are not some far-off dreams which we will hope to come true. Realistically, we may be doubtful that we will ever see it happen in our lifetime. After all, and all the generations that preceded us, Mashiach has never come, even though those generations were more righteous and deserving. This statement declares that no matter what, we can believe that this redemption will happen. We believe that if Hashem makes promises, He keeps them because He only has the ability to keep promises about the future. The Eternal One of Israel does not deceive. And so the term which we translate, may our eyes witness, is rare. Typically the Hebrew should be that may our eyes see. So why the use of this unusual expression? The Bamim proposes a novel interpretation. He suggests that the more common term of seeing refers to the physical eye, which sees only external objects. Witnessing, however, refers to the inner eye, which takes in the spiritual essence of what it views. In fact, this Hebrew world word is related to the divine vision of a prophet who has a deep inner sense of spiritual reality. So what does it mean when we want to witness the return of God to Zion? It means that we not only want to see this incredible event with our own eyes, we want to look inside ourselves and envision with our inner eye our spiritual dreams coming true. We long for our Father in Heaven to come home to His children and celebrate with them in the Holy Temple. We imagine the grand reunion of the groom, the Holy One, and His bride, the Jewish people, as they return to their permanent permanent abode, the temple in Jerusalem. The definition of the word Zion is unclear. According to the Malbim, Zion is synonymous with the city of David, located in the southeastern section of Jerusalem. And this is based on the verse in Shmuel. But David captured the stronghold of Zion. It is now the city of David. In general, Zion is often identified with Jerusalem. The aristocracy, including princes and Torah scholars, lived in the city of David while the majority of the population dwelled in the rest of Jerusalem. So who returns his divine presence to Zion? What is the ultimate goal of our prayers and offerings? What we seek is much more than praising, petitioning, and showing gratitude to Hashem. We speak to Hashem through our prayers and we draw closer to God through our offerings. Indeed, the origin of the word sacrifice derives from the root meaning close. What we truly crave more than anything else is a close, loving relationship with our Creator. More than the mitzvah of tefillah is all-inclusive mitzvah of bringing Hashem's presence to earth. And this is the essence of the imperative. Seek out the presence of God. We long for the day when we can revel in His presence and bask in His glory. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.